Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming from the Cat Cave in Warwick, Rhode Island today, recording this in my dining room. Uh, thank you so much for checking out the show. We're so excited. This might be, uh, maybe you're a new listener, maybe you're a long-time listener. Thanks for coming by. Uh, I was just looking at some, some stuff and realizing that we will be hitting our seven-year anniversary in August, so we're planning a big anniversary bash. We're getting to work on that right now. Um, what a great episode today. We got Christian. And we've got Heath. Christian started the um, the Jersey Interchange, a series that features over 50 New Jersey musical artists reimagining each other's songs over 20 years. You know, these are 20 years later. This is insane. I mean, the New Jersey scene has birthed some of the biggest names in music from My, My Chemical Romance. The Gaslight Anthem, who's been on the, uh, Benny's been on this show, Saves the Day, Cobra Starship, Thursday, Senses Fail. Oh, fun fact, this episode also has Heath. Heath played in Midtown and Senses Fail. Uh, I can't thank Christian enough for reaching out and setting this up for me, with us, um, for us. This is insane. Uh, I'm a fanat, I was following the Jersey Interchange on Instagram and all the tracks. I thought they were great. And then when we started getting in touch, I get this email of the press release and seeing some of the people they've had on there. It's so insane to see. Not only do I love a lot of these bands, um, some of these are people who are a past guest and beat friends of mine or friends at that time who are part of this. Um, we John Tumalo and Again Kalaku are going to be doing a cover of um, called Pink by Mohawk Barbie, and those are friends of mine, people I actually know. Uh, Paulson, who I used to be buddies with, they're going to be doing. Uh, Alex is doing a cover with Mikey Erg of Adam and His Package. Logan Lafayette's doing a cover. Of Outsiding Sarming, another band I love. I mean, there's going to be uh, 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 Saves a Day coming up, cover coming up with uh, Jeremy from Big Wig, Rob from Red Hymns. Um, I, you know what? You got to look at this list. It's just fucking insane. Um, and the first one we'll, we'll hopefully post it at the end of the episode. Heath does a cover of Big Wig's Flavor Ice. I fucking love Big Wig. I love New Jersey pop punk. I love Census Fail. I love Midtown. I love everything about this thing. Uh, so this is insane. A, I got to talk to Christian, who was could not be cooler and more nice, and turned out have some connections. And he worked at like Fuse and like you know part of that world on the video editing side. So fascinating. Then we get to fucking have Heath on here as well together. Like talk to both of them together. Um, Heath played in Midtown. I fucking love Midtown. Heath plays in Census Fail, and he played on the Census Fails albums that I f- like my two favorite. I think to be honest. And um, Census Fail is a band that means a lot. I really like them. Um, Heath, I mean, I really like them. Uh, both uh, producers Will and Mike fucking love Census Fail. It's one of our first conversations. I know we've been talking about trying to get Buddy on for a while. Um, so this is really cool. I had this memory that I wanted to share with everyone. Uh, I remember being in high school, probably 11th or 12th grade. We went on a field trip to the Providence Place Mall for some reason. And they had a Hot Topic, which in Connecticut at that time we didn't have... It was such a big deal for me. I bought a album called Punk Chunks 2, and it had Midtown's A Faulty Foundation demo on there. And that is when I first learned about Midtown. They're also in this great documentary that I think I still have the physical copy. Uh, Heath, if you hear this, I'm going to try to send it to you. Uh, called Bastards of the Young that we uh, talk about on, on this podcast as well. And uh, it's crazy. And then... on. Uh, it's not even that. Like, just getting to talk to someone who's in Big Wig was a band that meant so much to me. And then, you know, uh, Gabe would go on to do Cobra Starship. That was the song for Snakes on a Plane. Um, he played in Census Fail. And he played on a couple of their better 
I think my favorite albums of there, like Still Searching, and I think Can't Be Saved. Um, fucking, fucking priceless. So this was such a wonderful episode. Thank you so much uh, for checking it out. Make sure you check us out online at Let's Chat Podcast and all the things. Let's Chat Podcast dot net. Um, you know, this show isn't like an exclusively 90s punk uh, emo ska scene guest, but God, do we have a ton of them and we love doing it. So this is really fun. We just had a few... Uh, episodes if you're new to the show uh, if you want to dig back a two or three deep you could listen to a uh, pete from streetlight manifesto or benny from the gaslight anthem we make a spotify playlist where we list all of our punk rock themed episodes so if you're like don't want to dig through everything like we know we have episodes with matt Pryor from the ghetto kids or nathan from voice that's fire or jeff from orchid or um Matt Sankum, the founder of uh, Hard Times. Uh, yeah, we've got some good shit on there uh, that is really in this punk world that I grew up in and love so much and so happy to talk about. Uh, another little piece of housekeeping I wanted to make sure I um, shout out to. Uh, big thanks. Thank you to uh, Gina for the photo shoot. We'll be sharing those pictures very sh- uh, recently. Uh, I don't want to butcher your last name, but we'll link her stuff everywhere. She was a great photographer. Uh, thank you so much. Even if I was a little stiff, you made those photos look beautiful. And a really big announcement, I will be moderating my very first panel at the What Cheer Writers Club. This is virtual, it is free, it will be on July 18th at 1pm, you can just register online on your Eventbrite, we'll make sure we link everything online. It's called Leveling Up, Grow and Monetize Your Podcast, and guess who we got as guests to come on to this show? Holy shit! We've got Denver of the Dig. Mary and Blake Larson of the Mary Blake Media and the host of, um, and we have, and one of the, uh, Christina, host of the Providence podcast, Spark Up Podcast, and uh, the big names we got, Jamie Loftus and Caitlin Durante of the Bet Dalcast, who are actually past guests of this show. Um, so I actually had this idea, and this is something I had pitched to Jody at Watch Year, and her and I have been working really hard on this, and so it's... It's happening, and I'm really excited, and I'm hoping it, for it to lead to more bigger things and all that stuff we're going to leave out. Um, so thank you so much to the fine folks at the What's Your Writers Club for uh, and Jody for your tireless amount of help for putting this together. I'm so excited. And a huge thanks to all the producers of Let's Chat. We've got Will Forcer, Brianna Benjamin, Mike Schwartz, and Christopher Ball. Thank you for all that you do. Um, anyway, man, let's get to it. Said goodbye to a few who saw my didn't tell Couldn't have seen 21,000 miles But I got there Smiles and style Crossed the royal bound fuselage Heights down drives Bloom in the night Through Windsor windows and Princeton woods Oh, I friends So together we stood How do you guys know? each other uh i guess through a scene i mean heath and i you know I, I met heath when he was in nowhere fast which i don't know if heath was that your first band or was that like i don't know how many bands you were in before midtown i was in one band before nowhere fast we played one show and uh and that was it and then then i was re- recruited into nowhere fast um, okay. where i stayed i think i was only in nowhere fast for like two or three months before the band broke up pretty brief huh i didn't even know that i thought you were in there for longer oh that's awesome what part of jersey are you guys both from uh i'm from uh south jersey or i'm sorry south orange new jersey um which is like northern and then i don't know heath 
Heath was from all over. <laughs> yeah, I, I was from all over. I was uh, I grew up in Rockland County, New York, then I moved to Bergenfield, New Jersey, and then when I met Chris, I was in Somerville uh, for a very long time, and now I live in uh, in Bergen Bergen County in in Westwood. Yeah. yeah, my um my wife is from Bloomfield. Oh, okay. my, okay. my wife grew up in Bloomfield. No attachment to the this world of music at all. <laughs> so, and, or and of course, like the only person who's from Bloomfield and who grew up in, <coughs> didn't watch the Sopranos. So, right. even they filmed it her last scene. Um, so Christian, tell us about uh, how did this whole Jersey Interchange uh, project happen? Like I, I know you're doing it for a good cause and everything, but you got some really cool people involved. Yeah, no, um, it really honestly started, um, you know, I, I, I was never, I was never really in a band per se. I was in a band for like six months. We were a really bad hardcore band. We played one show and uh, ironically, our name was never again. So we played that one show and then never again played, uh, after that. But, uh, but no, I, I, I kind of, um, I guess I was in the, in, in behind the scenes in the scene, uh, back in the day. Uh, I ran a little booking agency. I did shows and uh, that's how I kind of, you know, gave my uh, contribution to the scene in a way. And then, you know, being an adult kind of happened and I went, went back to college, got my degree and now I'm a video editor. So, um, but this really happened because um, after about 20 years of really not playing the guitar, I picked it up. And then, of course, quarantine hit, and I had really nothing else to uh, to do. So I decided to, uh, you know, try and record some stuff and started recording some old uh, Joystick songs, uh, which was this band uh, from Baskin Ridge, New Jersey. And uh, Heath and I know them, too. Um, and then I actually, it, it really kind of coalesced just for me not, having a good singing voice so I, <laughs> so I recorded all of all of the the um the music and then asked my friend dave flores uh from taxi cab samurais if he would want to uh you know put his voice on it and then from there i just kind of got the idea well what if i like branched out to all the people i know from the scene and see if they wanted to you know be a part of this and it, and it kind of turned into just like this sprawling web of of friends and and new friends too you know there are some people that i didn't even know back when when uh all this music was going on um and just kind of reached out and now we've become like you know friends i would say um so it's a huge collaboration um that has just really like uh, surpassed anything I expected it to be. And, and Heath, actually, I, I owe, I owe a lot to, to Heath because, you know, uh, he, for, for, for the most part, he gave it legitimacy. Everybody, everybody was like, Oh, you have Heath. Okay. I'll do it. So, <laughs> um, he definitely, uh, helped out uh, a lot. And, 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 uh, once you hear his song and he's actually doing a few songs, we'll talk about that, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I've been um, listening to your big wig cover, like on repeat. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Heath Heath really knocked it out of the park on that one. Christian haven't played much guitar in the past like ten years, so uh, um, you know it was fun being given a task and uh, being able to take it on. And I mean, I got to do three guitar tracks and.
did you um do you get do did each artist like do you bring the band like uh to pick the tracks like hey, did you reach out to Heath like hey what song do you want to do or do you like pick uh pick did you pick the big wig flavor ice and then like hey Heath you want to do this like what was your process of that or just kind of like who wants to do what yeah I mean most of it was like me picking a song just that I, I wanted to record and then figuring out who I thought would sound best on it really yeah um and with Heath though like I was like I told him I was like you know, I know my limitations. So as you make it as, as, as sonically sound as possible. So I just let him run with it. And, and he, he reprogrammed the drums, did all the guitars, the bass and sang it. And I was just like, dude, you made this so much better than I ever could. So, you know, and, and that's, that's like, you know, like I said, I know my limitations. I, you know, played in a band for six months. Keith has been on like arena stages. So I have no problem with him, you know, doing all, all, all the, all the stuff. It, it was funny when I was saying, like, my, my wife is like, um, just, just didn't grow up in our, our music scene. It's like not her thing. And I was telling her about this and I was like, you know, you know, you're trying to like find reference points. And I was like, Oh, I was like, oh, well, uh, Heath was in a band called Midtown. And she like stared at me. I was like, they did the real world soundtrack. She's like, Oh, or was it real world or the real world road rules challenge? I forgot which one the Midtown did. And that was, it was like that motion. Like, oh, wow. And like, you know, you, 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 I'm sure if you maybe not, you. It's funny how much you kind of forget how big the scene got to like connect to people that was beyond just like, uh, a, like I guess my Chemical Romance would be the band that would be like my mom and dad know who they are, but right, um, they wouldn't any other way, you know. So it's just kind of funny to think, like, oh yeah, I forget what the scene had such a reach. It really, it really did blow up, um, and I, I don't know really why, but I mean. In in one respect, and maybe he has more, uh, you know, th- thoughts about this. But I think Drive Through was a big driver of that Drive Through Records. Oh yeah, uh, and and you know, and then you had your Vagrant and uh, I guess Victory Records. But those three labels, I think, probably helped the scene, especially from New Jersey. A lot of New Jersey bands got plucked, and then you know, got really big from that. Did you get? Well, actually, Heath, I think you might actually be in it. Were you in um, that, like, um, the doc- you ever seen a documentary, Bastards of the Young? No, yeah, I was in that. Um, that was filmed in, I think, like 2003, 2004. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to see that documentary again. I, I don't know where to find it. I might, yeah, I, I, can, I can figure it. I don't know how to read oh, it. Oh, nice. I still have a copy because uh, who... Cause uh, at that time, uh, I was friends with like like I was friends with the Folly guys, and then uh, we you know Paulson is a band we see a ton. And ever being a big deal because um, Paulson was in it for a minute, and they were gonna play it on Fuse, yeah, on Stephen's Untitled Rock Show, and being like, I think that was the first time in my life it was someone I knew was gonna be on TV, and it was like the biggest <laughs> fucking deal in the world. And then oh. now it's funny I look back at it now like there's a bunch of people in that documentary who like now including you who who were who I've gotten to like talk to on this podcast like uh, like Jonah Bear was one of the commentators uh, that was way before he did the podcast but that's how I first heard of him many years ago so it it is so funny how like it was funny even then it was like being documented like this like thing was happening right. like you know and at least from my knowledge, from the outside perspective, like I, I was in like the Connecticut scene. So we would like drive down to Jersey or a lot of your bands would like kind of come up to where we were. Uh, it was just like, it was just insane. Like just everything was coming out of there. And like, I now live in Rhode Island and I like know nothing about the music scene here. Cause like in Connecticut, we were like, we'd never even think to 
come this way. Be like, why would we go anywhere? Like, we would drive past New York City to go to like Elks Lodges in like New Jersey. Yeah. Just, what the fuck? Is yeah. crazy? It's just insane. It's so insane. That's and it's it, the best ones. And then, like, I remember, like, meeting, uh, like, for, like, then starting to peep people go on tour or stuff and, like, having friends and being, like, hey, there's not a basement scene out in Arizona. And, like, it sounds so stupid that I was a kid, dude, like, because they don't have basements. Like, it, it just, it didn't really dawn on me how special that thing was that we had here. Like, basement, I was like, oh, yeah, of course they don't have basements in, like, New Mexico or whatever. <laughs> and, like, I know Arbin from Folly would always say the success he thought with Jersey was it was just small towns next to small towns. Which I, I, I think there's probably something to that. It was definitely, it definitely helped to, to grow the scene. I mean, and it wasn't, you know, you, you, you would see the same faces at each show, but like, you know, since like West Orange was so close to Wayne or, you know, even New Brunswick is only like, you know, a 30 to 40 minute drive from where I grew up. So, you know, you could go to the Melody Bar or, to the Manville Elks Lodge within like a 45 minute drive. So it was, it was pretty, pretty um, insular in that way. And, and it helped to, to grow it externally. Yeah. What kind of, um, were you Scott kids at all? Were you Scott fans? I was. Yeah. Cause like in Connecticut, it was, um, uh, I, I grew up in Meriden, but the town next to us is Wallingford, which is probably a little bit more known in our like DIY scene, but like Haybreed was from our area, but they were like, you know, already, off and gone to do their thing like so like when i got involved in the connecticut the scene in connecticut like our version of the scene it was like the earlier days was very ska and then there'd be punk and then hardcore and then as things kind of went on it turned very much he's like hardcore like by the end of my time in the connecticut scene i would find myself spending more time going to shows in jersey because connecticut just turned into like the con it, it was barely even a concert it would just be a bunch of bands that sound exactly the same and a fight would break out and then someone would get like cops would come and some you know terrible shit it was all that happened that happened in jersey too a lot but yeah. <laughs> a lot no, of but the um people that i would assume well uh, i won't be a shithead today but yeah a lot of I don't know, like it sounds so lame i don't want to be like, they weren't here for the music or whatever but like it it did change where people were just coming to fight and not actually see a show there was actually uh this article i just saw not to go too off topic, but there was, so there was this guy, I'm not going to name names, but there was this guy in, in the scene here. It was, a, it was the hardcore scene. And he was always the one like beating people up, you know, having, having them get kicked out because he was friends with the bouncers. And, you know, he was just known as like a horrible person around the scene. And um, literally in Brooklyn vegan the other day, two or three days ago, saw an article where he helped some um, African-American woman on the side of the road uh, and basically sped down the, the road to go get her like uh, gas and came back and, and she was like, why did you do this so fast? She's like, well, cause I didn't want cops pulling over and messing with you. And like, so this is, but this was this huge guy that had, you know, and she even said the same thing. Like, you know, she expected him to just be a total jerk off, but which he was back in the day. So, <laughs> but it's good to see that he's changed. Yeah. That's, that's, I guess I, it, it, that's one of the fun, the fun things about Facebook and like, I'm sure we'll connect with this. I've been getting really into that podcast. This was the scene. Yeah. So like, yeah, even good. though I'm not from Jersey, I was listening to your older episode on it today. So I kind of prepare, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's it, it is it's funny to see that. Like, um, so someone actually that made me think of uh, you have Chris Gether doing a song on yours, and I listened to his episode. Yeah. Of that. Yeah. And like, I of course I didn't. I wasn't that intricate in the New Jersey scene to know his whole story of uh, his like trolling and stuff like that. But it was yeah. just so funny that like 
even like people in our your scene in Jersey became like famous comedians, you know, not even like there I have so many comedy friends who love Chris Gethard and have no clue if he knows what punk who know I knew what punk rock is, you know. Yeah, he he's he I remember him at shows, but like it took me a while to kind of recall him. But um yeah, he there's been a, a few guys that didn't go the course of music but you know got fame or success in some way. Um but yeah, Chris Chris is doing uh he, he wanted to do a song and and he's gonna do a Weston song. Um and then uh I guess I I guess I can kinda go down the, the song song list uh with you just to, to kinda um let you more more in on on what we got going on. Um so you know, as we we've already released four songs as of this recording, um, Heath being the last one, which was the Big Wig Flavor Ice cover. This week coming up will be um, Alf Bartone from X Number Five, and the Fire Still Burns. He's uh, covering a song by Lifetime, um, and uh, then we of course we have you know like we were talking about Folly uh, doing Mohawk Barbie, um, which is actually. It, it morphs into another song too, but that I'll leave that to be a surprise. Um, uh, we also have from uh, you mentioned Paulson before. Uh, we have well we have done. we actually have two two guys from Paulson. Logan's going to be doing one song, um, and then um, Alex, the bassist, is also helping out on another song, which is actually Mikey Erg uh, doing Punk Rock Academy by Adam and His Package. Yeah, that blew my mind. Alex is yeah. the one the guy Paulson I knew the best like they they I they play, I had I booked at my college like they I love I haven't it's been a long time but I, I love those cats yeah no they really were they're uh, really great great guys and, and a great band um yeah and and as you're saying you're you know we have like so many different types of uh of of you know artists from from you know from the ska scene from the hardcore scene from the punk scene from the emo scene um one thing I'm excited to to get together and, and actually uh, um, Heath is also going to be, or yeah, he, he already has recorded another song called uh, from OCG, which is one cool guy. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Yes, because one of they, did they turn it into catch or streetlight? Uh, a few of those guys went to streetlight. Um, yes. Okay. That's what it was. Yeah. I talked to uh, Pete. Uh, I, uh, who's oh, Pete, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Player. Yeah, so, so uh, ironically, not involved in the ska or punk or hardcore music scene at all. Right, uh, right, right. Kind of accidentally backwards landed into the strangest band in the world that everyone <laughs> all over the world loves. Um, yeah, well, we, so I have, let me see, one, okay. two, three. I have five of the members of OCG doing a few different songs. So um, and then and then Heath recorded his own one cool guy's version with um, with uh, Jay Foley from Day Nineteen. Hey, you can hear us all right. Yep, yeah, I'm sure um, you must both have this experience too. Like, it's a, such a wild ride. Like, at least for like me, like as like the host. Like, I mean, I've I paid money to see you play music before, at least in Midtown and Census Fest. So it's I, the best part about doing a podcast, like all these years later, you're like, it's a, like, then talk to the people, like, the people, like kind of, it's like those full circle moments. It's, it's so great. And I think what you're doing with the Jersey music and exchange, like, not, it's not, it just brings out nostalgia and it brings out creativity and it just like brings you back to that thing. And it's fucking great. I love it. 
I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm psyched that so many people are, are just as psyched as I am. So that's, you know, I, it really kind of was, you know, just an idea to take people's minds off of what was going on, you know, with the quarantine and with just even behind closed doors, like, you know, having to, to, to deal with whatever, whatever you're going through. So if you could take, I'm, if I'm I could, health, yeah, I'm a healthcare worker. Like I actually literally, uh, I actually had to get tested for Corona today. I don't have it, but there was a <laughs> period of today where this almost had to get canceled. I was like, all right. In 30 minutes, my two weeks, my future of my week is going to be very different. Right, so right, right. Totally having something to throw some uh, uh, energy into something else has been so fucking helpful. And that's like reconnecting with people or, or people like you knew from afar or maybe you didn't talk to. I mean, you know, that shit is, right. you know, like we're all like, you know, I'm a dad. So just a boring life. So it's fun to have a chance to get to talk with people that you like used to get to. Would have, right. It's very like, and some likelihood we've probably have all been in the same room without ever realizing it. I'm sure, yeah, most, most likely. Yeah. I mean, Heath, Heath, and I, you know, we've been off and on talking on Facebook for a long time, but this is the first time probably in a long time we've continually worked on something together or talked together. You know, so it's brought it's brought us back together too. I think you know. Yeah, what is it about? Yeah, like. Oh, sorry about that. What were you saying? I was just saying I've, I've been checking in with Chris every couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like great. I was done with uh, Big Lake song. I sent him the One Cool Guy song, and I was like, I'm bored. I want to do something else. So it's like, Chris, do you need any help with anything? Is there anything I can, like, program or, like, add guitar to or anything? So, and he threw me another assignment, so, but, uh. That helped out for for a couple of days. I feel like a I feel like a a teacher or a proctor or something. <laughs> yeah, what is it about adulthood? Like, if you don't like have a project, you just won't ever see your friends again. Like, if like I don't have something that's like kind of work. You know, this it's a it's it's work, but it's fun. Like yeah. a band or like this, it's like I'm just it's never gonna happen. <clears throat> it's and, yeah, so, and it actually it's it's brought me. Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I've, I've learned a lot just from the process. Cause you know, I, you know, I didn't know anything about recording really besides going into garage band and uh, even with our mixer, Ryan, um, who, who's like made these sound like amazing. Like he's, he's taught me just so much and, and Heath too, just taught me so much about how to make something sound good. So, you know, that's, that's definitely uh, both of them have, have upped the, the production value of a home. Re it, everybody's recording from home on this. So it's like, yeah, you know, like um, you could record into your iPhone mic and, and that was. Yeah. Home recording is just like skyrocketing. It was right. so funny when this first thing happened and you're watching like the, um, <clears throat> like tonight show or any of that stuff. And it looked like YouTube. I'm like, how can I make this right. shit on my phone look great? And you have, NBC Universal billion dollars and Jimmy Fallon can't like get it. Like it, there was like a good month where it just took all these companies to like figure it out. I'm like, I didn't do this in my bedroom. Right, right. Two hundred bucks, I think you could figure it out. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, Heath, um, what I want, one thing I want to ask you is like, so from what from what I like the research I was doing, whatever, it looked like um, Midtown seems like kind of fucking pop off real fast. So that like must have been quite the the experience for you. It's like it looks like you did like quite you went a straight roll in Midtown and then went to Census Fail, and then became like a what what was so um, it's now with all these years later looking back, it must be so. And I, I saw Midtown did do like you guys did a reunion at the well Skate and Surf, but that's not even what's it called now? Is it called Bamboozle? Well, it it was called Skate and Surf when we played it. It, it started as Skate and Surf, 
and then they changed the name to Bamboozle, and then Bamboozle kind of ran its course at the Meadowlands, and they wanted to bring it back to Asbury Park. And that's when they changed the name back to Skate and Surf. So we played, I guess, the first of the new Skate and Surfs. I don't know if they do them anymore. I think they did them for a couple of years, and and uh, then then they started doing like Stone Pony summer summer stage shows. Nice. Uh, that kind of replaced the the Skate and Surf down there. Uh, but yeah, you know, Midtown started in late '98. We started playing shows early '99. Went on tour summer of '99, and just kept going until we dissolved and exploded in the uh, in the spring of 2005. Um, and then in fall of 2005, so I had about four months where I did not know what I was going to do with my life. Uh, it was a really bad summer. And then I got a phone call from uh, the guys at Census Fail. They, uh, they got rid of their guitar player. They mutually parted ways. And they needed someone in two weeks to record three songs with them for an MTV Live appearance. Uh, so <clears throat> I knew them from touring with them. Uh, I was friendly with the guys. We, we all got along when we were on tour together. They gave me a call and they said, hey, can you learn these three songs? I said, yeah, what's, what's it for? And they told me it's for a live thing on MTV. I said, that's great. I was like, what's going on with your band? What are you guys doing soon? And they're like, well, we have a tour coming up in, in three weeks or four weeks. And I'm no dummy. So I bought their records and I learned every song that weekend. And then I went to practice on Monday. We played through the three songs. And they're like, okay, cool. You know the songs. I'm like, I know all the songs. And they're like, all right, well, let's try another one. So we just played a bunch. We, I think we played like six to eight songs. And, uh, you know, I didn't know if they were going to... Um, you know, ask anyone else to come in and audition, uh, but I definitely wanted the gig, so I, I learned everything. Um, and we did the we did the MTV Live show. We went on tour, and then we started writing the next record. So it just kind of flowed into me being more uh, absorbed within the band, uh, and then uh, it started to feel right. And then we recorded the record, and I was I was in the band for two records. Uh, did a whole bunch of touring with those guys. Um, great dudes. I still talk to them. All the time. I just spoke to Buddy yesterday. Oh, nice. Something. Um, you know, and I just heard from Garrett, the other the other guitar player who's in the band with me and Senses Fail. He's actually moving to about ten minutes from me pretty soon. So Aww. that's pretty cool. Not sure if we're gonna get the band back together, but maybe uh maybe I'll take a drunken Uber over there and we'll like play some guitar minis together or something at some point. Um but then after after Senses Fail, uh, you know, I turned I turned thirty and I was like, you know what, I I got to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I didn't think that I'd be able to, to play guitar in a band uh, for much longer. Um, so I decided I had to learn how to do something. I got a job uh, at, an, at an electrical contractor and they put me through school. I did my apprenticeship. Uh, I did about four or five years of school through that. Came out as a journeyman. I was a journeyman for about a year and a half and became a foreman. Started running jobs in the field and now for the past almost three years, I've been out of the field as a project manager, uh, you know, running jobs from the office in the field, uh, not, not work, but you know, the other side of it now. That's all. That's like the way to do it. Right. You start that the American dream. That's, now, do a lot of people in your field know, have any idea what you're talking about when you talk about Midtown or census fail or any of that stuff? Um, so the, I, I I worked with this guy named Kevin Grell. Uh, Kevin is um, at times my, my biggest supporter and at other times uh, he wants to kill me. So I worked with him very closely when I first started um, and 
I didn't know anything when I came into the trade. And he, he knew everything. He'd been doing it for 20 years. He knew the next step, 10 steps ahead of where we were. Uh, and I, I wasn't able to function. So uh, putting the two of us together was very difficult for both of us. We were doing a project that targets overnight. We, had, we, we were trying to figure out how to do two nights worth of work in one night. We figured it out after the second night. Um, and, but it was, a, it was a very tense time. It was, it was nonstop work. You get in, there was not a wasted movement. We stopped for about four minutes to eat a sandwich at two o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and that was it. But one night we're in, the, uh, we're in Target and uh, he's like, let me see if they have your CD here. I'm like, yeah, they do have my CD. I'm like, look in the S's, it's right there. They, they have a bunch of copies. He's like, no way, this is your CD. I'm like, yeah. And the guy who was in there with us, who was kind of our chaperone, was like, oh, I love that band. They're great. And he's like, you love that band? This is the guitar player. He looks at me and the, and the kid looked at me and he was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Thanks for listening to the band. Kevin's like, no, you, he told you to say that, right? And the kid's like, no, no, I, I really do listen to the band. He's like, look, it's on my phone. And he, Kevin couldn't believe it. So from then on, I got a little bit more respect from Kevin. Um, and uh, now anytime we're in the office, he, he's in the office as well. Uh, anytime we're in the office together and someone new comes in, he puts on YouTube videos of uh, Midtown live shows from 2003, 2004, just embarrass me. So, uh, so that awesome. kind of fell over uh, from, from music to current work. Uh, I saw you're breaking up. The the 2014 that we played and they uh, they couldn't believe it. Uh, it's it's just it's a part of. Oh no! Hey, so you you you're uh, I think I think you're the first person I'm talking to. I'm trying to look back, but like I, I was huge like into drive through records. Like I had the DVDs, I had all that shit. And so like what what was that experience of being in drive through that time? Of like um, I've heard pretty good thing that at one point I was in conversation Richard was going to do this podcast at one point and one of those things never happened but he is a, like you know looking back years later like like we talked about victory in the beginning like uh, no one generally has a positive thing to say about victory records but for the most part drive-through seemed to have kind of from from reputation it seems like Richard and Stephanie were like all around good people and actually love music and treated bands pretty well was that your experience as well yeah they, they were before anything, they're, they're huge music fans. So they, they really loved the, the bands they listened to, they loved. They didn't just like them. They would be the crazy people that would wait at the hotel for Simon LeBon to come out of his hotel and get like the, some sort of random thing signed. They would be at every show. Um, and they, they did really great things for us when, when we were coming up. Um, you know, no one had any money. We didn't make any money from being in the band. They didn't have much money from running a label. But when we were out there recording uh, Save the World, Lose the Girl, they let us stay at their house. We slept on yeah, their floor. Yeah, we slept on their floor for like two or three months when we were making that record. Um, they, were, they were really good to us. And, you know, some business things got in the way of, of our friendship over the years. But um, I think, you know, that, that's what it was. It was a business. They were protecting their, their investments and, and their side of the business, and we were trying to build ours. So we had some, uh, we had some clashes. but. I think overall it, it ended fine, and uh, you know we, I've seen them since, and everything has been has been great. But they had a real stranglehold on the market for a while. They, you know, they signed Newfound Glory, 
who yep. absolutely exploded and took over at the perfect time. Um, and they did very well. They also had a, a bunch of other bands. You know, they had something corporate who has been huge. They signed Finch. They had Senses Fail. They had a, a lot of great bands. Um, so I, I can't say anything bad about Drive Through at all. They they really did care about the bands that were on their label. Remember, they had that huge like legal. Was it uh, Geffen like stole Newfound Glory for them, and then Newfound Glory eventually went back. Like, so you, I mean, how interesting, man! You, not only were you like in like a band that blew up in that certain era like you're also like that that's an industry like of a, a bygone relic like you're talking you were playing music maybe maybe pre, uh, maybe i might have the time frame wrong but maybe it's this is post napster probably right or pre-napster we started our band pre-napster i think but on our first couple tours uh we would show up to places in like champaign illinois and we had no idea how anyone there knew us it turned out they knew us from Napster. So that helped us out immensely in the very beginning. Um, all the file sharing, all the downloading. Yeah. It really helped out. Uh, it, it gave us the ability, because you know we didn't have records in, in record stores yet. We didn't, we didn't really have any music out. We have an EP. Uh, but it was on the internet. People could download it anywhere they wanted. I mean, I mean, you got to be in the music industry at a whole shift for like, I mean, there's entire gigantic labels that don't even exist anymore from that time frame. Like, I think, is Geffen still around? Or? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that, yeah, I mean at the time, that was like everything. And, and like, well, Midtown got bumped. You guys went all the way up to, was it Columbia? Am I, did I, did I have that right? We eventually did get to Columbia, but not through, not through drive through So we put out the first EP on Pinball. Then we went to drive through for Save the World, Lose the Girl. Living Well is the Best Revenge was on MCA drive through And then we got dropped from MCA drive through And then we had to start over. Uh, and at that point, we decided to record the album with Butch Walker and pitch it to labels. And that's when we got signed to Columbia by Matt Pinfield. Did you, I'm sorry, Matt, the Matt from MTV? Yep, the Matt Pinfield. I, he just came up from the other Jersey, day. Jersey Treasure. Yeah, I listened to him on podcasts and stuff. I, I, I was uh, doing a podcast the other night with like a music journalist, and somehow he came up and like we just spent like an hour talking about like the the nostalgia of the MTV news era. Like there was that period where VH1 and MTV were like really really good for like their journalism stuff. They had like behind the music and like biorhythm and 120 minutes. Uh, Pinfield is the man. That's so fucking crazy. Um, did, were you did you get were you part of it that the music um the big record label of that era, of that golden era, where they were just like blowing money and stuff, or you would get to that point where they're like, the writing was on the wall, so like they weren't like, here's a $10,000 dinner, or any of that kind of crazy stuff. We didn't have any dinners or like petting zoos with giraffes or like anything crazy like that. No one gave me a $90,000 painting, but um, we did have a couple nice sushi dinners here and there. Um, you know, we definitely had people who worked for the label that would come to see us in different states who did things with their corporate card that were illegal. Um, nice. and I'll leave it at that, but it was a very good time. Uh, but yeah, we didn't really last too long on Columbia either. It was, it was kind of a shame. You know, we put the record out, had a very strong first week. They put a song to radio. They're like, this is going to be the hit. They put it out to radio. And then I think two weeks later, they dropped us or told us they were going to drop us or they, or no, no, they didn't drop us because if they dropped us, they would have had to give us money. 
what they did was they uh, just stopped investing any money into us and cut our tour support promotion. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, anyone I've ever is. talked to, anyone I know who's had any experience on a major label has pretty much had that like that pretty much the same experience. Uh, you know, it's the, it's just so you know, yeah. It's just it's so funny how they do that. Or like, um, I think you must know Jeff Garlock who played in Orchid. Uh, not personally, no. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think I had, he interviewed him once. I think at one point he like worked at a, a record label, and he was just telling me like the expenses that like just the absurdity of money they would spend. Like, he was, like I think he was like thousands of dollars in fat camp for boys to men, and then like label signing bands like you guys, and then be like, nope, I'm just burning money, it's crazy. Um, so what was that? That I mean, I'm always curious about those things because like now you can look back at it, uh, you know, with some. And clearly, you know, things are, are many years later, but at that time, like, that must have been, like, one of the, like, that's, like, a, it sounds like a dream come true in a way, like, to, to get, like, that, you know, just to be, like, the, to get in a band and make it and get and do all the, that stuff. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. I mean, being 21 years old and going out to L.A. to make a record, um, sleeping on your friend's floors, waking up every day, going to the studio where someone's paying you to go play guitar. Uh, it's, inc it's incredible. It was great. I didn't have a dime. You know, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't go to a bar and get a drink. Uh, you That's know, so but, weird. but I was playing guitar every day, and someone was paying for it, so I was having a good time. And then even <laughs> with touring, you know, when we first started touring, we didn't have any money. We didn't make any money. We had a shitty fifteen-year-old conversion van that was always threatening to break down on us. But um, it always happened to make it to the next parking lot, so we could fall asleep for a couple hours before continuing on. Now, are, um, do either of you have kids, by chance? Yeah. Yep. Here, I would you now like just looking back and be like, I can't believe my parents let me do that. Like, like, like I, don't know, like, I could like, I don't know you like. I, there's this sort of stories of here, kids who are like, yeah, I was on tour at like 15, which my parents that would never happen. And now being a dad, being like, yeah, okay, never happening. I would never <laughs> at that age. Yeah, I kind of have mixed feelings about it. Um, for me, I, I was done with college. I, I realized it was something that I wasn't interested in doing. I did a, a year and then a couple of months, and then I just stopped going to classes. Um, so I didn't really want to learn how to do anything at that point. I had this really great opportunity to see the world and, and play music and, and tour, uh, which was something that was super rare. Um, so my dad, who, uh, who I lived with at the time, he was really cool about it. He said, you have this great opportunity. Go do it. Take it as far as you can go. And then, uh, you know, when you want to come home, come home. And I think that awesome. if, if my kids had the same opportunity, I, I would say go as well. I would let them. I learned so much doing that. I mean, it was, I can't think of a better way to spend my 20s than, than the way that I did. So. How many states have you been to? Did you do all of them? Uh, I, I've been through all of them. I haven't been, well, actually, no, I haven't been to Alaska or Hawaii. Um, I played in every other state, um, and you know we did extensive um, overseas touring too. We played a bunch of shows in Japan. We did European tours, UK tours. Uh, I mean, especially with Census Fail too. You know, we did we did a lot, a lot of overseas stuff with them. It's it's funny because like um, when I grew up in Connecticut for before you were in Census Fail, there was a period where Census Fail. I actually always have been a fan. I was a fan from their first album. And at least in the case, they, they just like, they, 
for whatever reason, there was a period where they were the band that was just shit on by everybody. Like, specifically in Connecticut, there was, like, this story that got way overblown. But I think I think it was their first out-of-state show they played um, in was in Connecticut. And um, nobody was there. And, uh, and it was one of those things, like, it all went to shit. And there was, like, literally like, dead cats. Like, it was, like, a I don't know what time. I think it was Kensington. And, like, I think they, like, rightfully so might have complained about it in ap so of course you know how scene politics were back then and for all like yeah. all the trash talk and like now all these years later they are still one of like of all the people i know who were talking trash about census fail in those early days completely gone from the music scene and census fail to this day is still a band and a good one and just would continue to put out great records and actually i think some of their best work is that you know still searching i think is my favorite which you know the, the oh, ones that you were on are some of the best thank records. you it Thanks. Is. They've gone on to make incredible records, but I think Buddy's making three records right now at home. So, yeah, staying, staying pretty busy. Yeah, but a couple of my producers, like, that's, like, when we were all, like, meeting, and like, I started building, like, a, a little team to start building this up recently, and the two of the producers I met, like, in our first conversations, like, with Will, somehow he drops, he, I was like, oh, that's what he, I thought, so, like, I was like, oh, census fail, and just, he, like, lost his mind for, like, 20 minutes, like, I was, like his favorite band, I was like, all right, yeah, what's a, well, one of these days, we'll get Buddy on here, well, that's, so, it's funny, just so great to see that that band just to go on and mean so much to so many people, and It'd be so fucking good, you know. You guys put out some good albums, and you know, like, I love a lot of bands, but I don't say like, there's. I've definitely never been like an album. Like, I, I there's a lot of bands I love, but I don't know if I listen to like a whole album. But Sense of Sale is one of the few bands. Is like, there's at least three full albums. There's I will can like that. Uh, still search and let it unfold. You'll just like flow right through. Like, song every track. And, like, cut me in. Awesome, awesome. I, Thank you. I have um, if I could find it, I still have like a drive-through records. Remember the day that, like, in the earlier days where they would make, like, DVDs with just music videos on them? Like, a little, yeah. like, you know, internet was a thing, but YouTube didn't exist yet. And I have one, and there's a bonus footage of Census Fail playing at a roller rink somewhere in New Jersey. And I think it was, like, right before they were signed. I have, like, a handful of DVDs. It's probably Skater's there. World, right? It, it could be. I don't know. It's, like, a, it's a bonus footage on the DVD. And they play Steve. Eaton Town also. I think Eaton Town, though. Oh, Town, right. Skaters World might have been gone by the time they came around. So I think that Skaters World turned, turned into an office max around the early 2000s. What, what, um, true, yeah. What, was, like, what, uh, what were your, uh, what were your venues like growing up? Or were you like, like where I was? Like, the, the, now looking back, our famous one would be like the Wallinger Nights at Columbus or like the, uh, the Am, like, you know, they're never real venues, but like New Jersey, like, so I've, not from New Jersey. I've never been there, but I know way too much about like the Wayne Firehouse and the Manville Elks Lodge because it's like they've mm -hmm. become like legends within our little community. What were yours when you guys were uh, growing up music-wise? I guess, uh, well, there was the Milburn Church. That was a big one that kind of was like a just a fireball of everything. You know, every band would play there. Um, yeah, West Orange American Legion, Milburn Church, I guess, yeah, Wayne Firehouse, obviously. Um, I'm not sure. That was in the general vicinity for me. There was the M&M Hall down in Old Bridge. What about you, Heath? I don't remember what was out near you. I lived, I lived in Somerville, so uh, the Manville Elks Lodge was just, you know. Right, Manville. Yeah. A mile and a half from my house. That's where I saw my first real local show. Do you remember um, who was on it? 
Oh, yeah, I remember every band on it. It was uh, Nowhere Fast opened up before I was in the band. Um, Bigwig played. Uh, Tom had uh, some sort of nasty infection. He was like almost, it was a meningitis that he had when he played that show. He was, he was like sweating. He, I don't know how he did it, uh, but he was very ill during that show. He made it through, and then uh, it was less than Jake and Weston. So that was a pretty, pretty good show to be the first, yeah. you know, first show. But it also shows that I was a pretty latecomer to the to the whole scene. I mean, by the time I I got involved, um, Joystick was almost done playing shows. Uh, I I only saw maybe three Joystick shows. Um, Joystick was actually the first first local show I ever went to. Just happened to it happened to randomly be their first show ever, and then oh, that's awesome. It was just really weird because we became really good friends, not from that show, just separately. But um, yeah, but actually, a uh, fact about Manville Elks Lodge was uh, before even like Bomb Shelter or anybody did shows there was Benny Horowitz from Gaslight Anthem. He did all the shows at Manville Elks Lodge. I was actually just about or, to ask you that. Is yeah, yeah. His? yeah. He, um, I, he was, I actually interviewed him. He was on the show like a few episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. Super nice dude. And um, didn't talk about music at all. It was fucking, it was oh, awesome. Really? Yeah. It was just... <laughs> Uh, he talks about basketball. He talks about basketball a lot. Yeah, he does. No, I don't know what happened, but it was like it just turned into like a therapy session for us. It was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah he's got a really great podcast too. Uh, going off track. Going off track. It's great. Yeah, yeah, all. yeah. That's exactly. I Jonah though. I wish Jonah Bear would come back. I know, because I got into that podcast a long um, way before before I was a few years of that time. But it must be like five or six years. I got really into it. Um, because uh, like Jonah and Steven and then and then I loved when Benny started to come on and like just like guest host um yeah and, and then he just would just show up all the time and then you know because that's a podcast because I love the Gaslight Anthem they're great but like I, I didn't know I knew his name but I did not know his personality especially drummers and then from that and then I got so sad when the podcast ended and then thankfully they I'm, I'm so happy that Benny brought it back it's like really yeah rad of him I, I think yeah what I I was friendly with Jonah and Steven for for a little bit. I think Jonah went to school, I think is what Benny said. Like oh, I think, I think they said on the podcast. I think like I think they had someone on going off track who like um I think it was a Frank it was like some famous musician, I'm trying to get the name, but I think they like took their life and I like they talked about it a little bit and I think it really fucked up Jonah and then he decided to change his career path and become like a or like become like social worker or something. Oh wow. I used to I used to actually work with both of those guys, Steven and Jonah. Uh, oh, where? Really, I used to work at Fuse, like we're talking 2008, 2009. Way to bury the lead. Right. Well, uh, I mean, it's not, it, was, uh, it was not glamorous at all, but they're very nice guys. I like those guys. Um, Did you work on Stephen's show? No, I worked on a show. It, actually, it's the, the, the reason I, I met Buddy uh, Nielsen, actually. Um, and and I, uh, we connected because I knew Heath, so... Um, buddy, so basically, I I worked on this uh, six month long music discussion show called the Weekly Riff, and it was basically like Bill Maher, but with Stephen hosting, and like four 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 guests discussing different, you know, it's like a panel show basically. Yeah. But uh, oh, bu man. Buddy Buddy used to be one of our guests, and uh, a few other people from the scene too. It was it was, it was that was actually really a weird job because. 
it just brought so many different people together and people that I knew and now are like, you know, really big. So, but that did, that wasn't a success, successful show. <laughs> That's such a small world. Yeah. Steven was, I mean, he's like my, he was my biggest influence, like hosting influence and, yeah. and fucking super nice, really nice guy. Every like, I mean, we did a podcast like five years ago. He was on the show like five years ago and still like every like once a year, he'll still like, he'll, like we'll email like just, Class act, but just yeah, nice. very, very cool. Yeah, I, I, think, love that I think you see that a lot from like the scene, right? Like, for like outside of all the the other you know bad stuff, like most of the people like, like um like the the like we my friends our group of friends we got really we were really the folly like we saw them a ton, and then it just the way it worked out like that became like our band, and then my our my one of my my closest friends from high school is married to Jeff, and now like you know, we spent our 20s going to sh- like, like uh, you know, sweating and doing all that bad, crazy, stupid shit. And now like when we get together, like we just watch our little girls run around together and dance and play. Like, right. never, it, it, it's just, it's so sweet. I just love like, it's so, so full circle like that. I think that's so great. Um, now, um, uh, oh, sorry about that. Sorry. Uh, now, do you guys have any like memorable, uh, any good memorable shows of seeing or playing? I mean, I mean, he, I mean, I, I was like looking. At, it's funny to look like type your name into like online, like the some of the stages like Midtown and Sense of Fail have played. Were both of those bands either of those like bigger overseas? Like my um, when I was growing up, my cousin Sarah was in a band called Unwound, which was like never really, you know, not really a lot of people knew who they were, but like it was like nothing. But then they would they could make a living because they could like do really well in Japan and stuff. And I know Houston calls that seemed to have that too, from the outward appearance, like they didn't do good, great in the States, but they would like do like sold out record shows at, at uh, like Tokyo uh, in, at Tokyo and shit. Did that happen mm-hmm. to you guys for Midtown or Census Fail ever? We played a bunch of big sold out shows in, in Japan. Uh, we had people waiting for us at the airport in Japan, giving us gifts, people waiting at the hotel. It was, uh, it was, kind of awesome it was strange but it was it was awesome uh and you know census fail did a lot of uh, a lot of big tours overseas too we did uh, you know the taste of chaos international tour in 2006 where we went to australia new zealand japan uh you know we went all over all over europe on that um i'd say probably my most memorable show over overseas was uh there was a show in australia we played on taste chaos tour where we were walking out to go do a signing and out of nowhere this kid just runs up to me and kicks me in the balls what and uh yeah no i was not expecting it at all um just hauls off and just just kicks me as hard as he could and i went down (laughs) i went down and i got up and my what the hell did you do that for? Like, why did you do that? I looked at him, he was like a 15 or 16 year old kid, so I can't hit him. Um, and he, but he just, he, can't, he hauled off and kicked me in the ball. And I'm like, uh, what was that about? And he said he just wanted to meet Buddy. Uh, so he, he kicked me in the ball <laughs> to get Buddy's attention. I mean, that's terrible, but yeah, there's a part of me that kind of laughs a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm laughing at it too now. Um, is it nerve wracking playing like like big show? Like, is there a level of crowd where it just doesn't matter after a, like you can't see any farther? Yeah, um, as long as the lights are off, everything's fine. Um, yeah, you know when the lights are on, we opened for Blink. Mid- Midtown opened for Blink, and we were the first of three. 
uh, and we would play a lot of times as people were coming in. And we were so grateful to be on that tour. There was a lot of it. Heat was incredible. Newfound Glory was on the rise. It was just like a really great tour. But we would play as people were walking in. Um, so, I mean, that was a little harder. Uh, it was a little harder to play when, like, no one's paying attention to what you're doing. Mm. Um, so when you have a place that's packed and people are, are looking at you and they're excited, uh, that's, the, that's the best feeling in the world. There's nothing. Like, you could be having a terrible day. Um, you could feel like you don't want to do anything. You just want to lay in your bunk. But when you get out there and there are people who are excited to see you play, um, it turns everything around. Now, um, I'm trying to how to word this. So many things in life are so unpredictable. Did you ever predict that there'd be an experience that you would tour with Blink-182? And I'm sure I'm going to hopefully guess at some point Tom DeLonge was talking your ear off about aliens. And uh, it turned out that he actually might be right. So there you go, world. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you never thought we'd be sitting here one day talking like, huh? I used to know that guy, and I thought he was insane. And maybe it, it, it's closer to being sure than it ever has been. If anyone else is following the those, that declassified stuff from Pentagon, you may be right. Who knows? Um, but back then, it was just fun to talk to him about the Descendants. Yeah, was is Mark as cool and as nice of a human? Be like, I still think that um, he might be one of the more underrated people of our scene. Like, if anyone cracked the code, um, did he have a show on Fuse at one point? Did he, was it Hop on Pop? I used to, he, he was actually the first podcast I ever listened to, which I, you know, I think it's, I think it left and came back, but um, I love, love that dude. But um, he had a show on Fuse too, right? Hop on Pop, is that right? He did, he did something on Fuse, yeah. I don't remember, yeah. Like he seems to be like the guy who seemed to crack the code, like who like blew up in the pop punk world and then kind of was able to become like a host internet person, or pre-internet, like an internet personality. But yeah. is he... That did your kids old enough to like any of the music that you could be like, I used to play with them or daddy used to know them. Or they're just like, whatever. My kids. Or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't give a shit. Yeah. They don't care. Uh, <laughs> they don't, they don't think it's cool at all. That's um, all right. No, they're too young. They're like, dad, why do you always play guitar? You're not good at it. And I'm like, you're, <laughs> you're right. Uh, it's just fun for me. And uh, they tell me that it's too loud. It's kind of cool that my kids are telling me that my music is too loud. Um, like, yeah. But um, my, my daughter really doesn't like my music at all. Uh, my son is kind of drawn to it, but he doesn't like my bands. So. He's actually been watching a lot of Ben 10 lately. Actually, you, Chris, you have, you have a young son. My, my uh, son is also Chris, watching I, I Ben know, 10. Do a, so do, does he watch the YouTube videos of Ben 10 where there's like an intro? There's like this like new metal music set to the Ben 10 scenes from the show? No, he, he just watches on Netflix, but I don't know if I would let him watch new metal or listen to new metal music. Yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs> heartbreaking. It's, right. I'll come down in the morning sometimes and he'll be watching Ben 10, but like, I don't know, Stained or someone is like providing the soundtrack. Right. He's gone that way. He's gone the AJ Soprano route. And I mean, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so like in 10 years you're gonna see some ducks fly out of your pool and you're gonna have a panic attack and it's gonna really just set you on a right, path right and we're sitting in the kitchen with some gabagool and just start crying <laughs> and pass um, so what, what is ben 10 i actually have not heard of that oh so ben has ben has a watch uh that's it's called the omnitrix 
and there are different aliens in that watch. He sets the watch, and then he hits the watch, and he turns into the alien. It's a cartoon. Okay. Yeah. Pretty simple. But yeah. did you say there's new metal involved? Yeah, people put together like montages from the show set to new metal music. Oh. <laughs> what is your? I I have an unpopular opinion that I kind of actually defend new metal a little bit because I think new metal brought a lot of people into our scene that don't want to admit to it. Because at least for myself and a lot of people I know, like the the first band I didn't, you know, most people's first band is never like anything good. You know, like it was my friends in high school were really into um, um, like I mean, fuckling biscuit and all that stuff. But there, there, there's a few like you know, I had some friends who were, like really into Deftones. That I think that was the first time I started listening to music with screaming, and then eventually found like punk rock and stuff. But like, there's, there's some, you know, there's I still think there's a few good new metal bands. I think a lot of it is garbage, obviously. But I'm curious, do you guys any hot takes on new metal? I don't think I, I wouldn't consider Deftones new metal as much. I think they're they they, they could straddle, but uh, no, I I I, I can't support any new metal. Uh, I I actually I, I was a radio DJ in college and had to go through a lot of new metal stuff, and I was just like, you know, being a metalhead before that, it was just a, a bad turn in the road. I, I'll still defend Headpiece first album. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. throw it out there. <laughs> can't and it would have done and then even when biscuits first album was pretty good i i, I hated corn i mean uh, the system of the down new metal i mean they were all in, in that world in my when i was at that age it was down system of a down oh system of a down i thought they were talking about down phil anselmo then no um, down, down down i can fuck with yeah i, I get down with down yeah and deftones as well you know I, I can the first two deftones albums are great i i checked out after that i I, I'm missing a lot, I'm sure, because everyone loves White Pony and a couple of things that came after it. But I got to say, I'm, I'm going to throw an unpopular opinion out there as well, uh, which was that I did like Corn when they first came out. I did play a Corn song at a high school talent show. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to mention who else was in the band with me when we played that Corn uh, song, because it would be a big blow to uh, credibility. Would, but, would uh, their starship not be taken off? No, no, would have nothing to do with Um And I, I'll tell you what, I also like that first, uh, first Lump Biscuit album when it came out. Three Dollar Billio. I liked it. Yeah, I, I like that album. I, I don't. I like it a lot. Don't go back that often Here. and listen to some of those bands, but like, no. there's a there's a few. I think there's a few good new metal bands. In that I ha I do have a, a little story, a tangent. I remember going to the Warp Tour, maybe 1999, 98. 98. Um, was it 98? It was 98. With Limp Bizkit? Okay. But we were waiting. Yep. We were waiting. They had the, the, it was when the Warp Tour was still small enough that they had like the roll-in trailers for stages. So I remember waiting to watch Bigwig at, at the Asbury Park uh, Warp Tour. And right next to them on the trailer, right next to them was this guy, this hip-hop rock band with a guy with his red hat turned backwards and i had never heard them before i was just like what is this bullshit and it turned out to be limp biscuit like i was right there watching them I was you were there watching <laughs> i was watching them did you guys know each other at this time no no i don't think so and we're just figuring this out now this is that's fucking awesome right so yeah and then and then big big wig played right next to them right after them 
Did one of the dudes from Bigwood become the drum tech for Atari's? Is that right? Yeah, Matt Gray. Matt, Matt, yeah. 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 And Starting Line. He had a really long game. Oh, shit. Before. Starting Line, another band, too, that got a lot of shit, but I, I think they just got, and, and everything Kenny did solo, but even like, um, I thought there, the, was it the last album, Islands? was like really good. Like they had a lot of growth. I feel like there's a lot of bands from our era of like what we're talking about that will get left out or so. Like, you know, some of it, like, some of it was a lot, a lot of the bands, I think there are some bands that got a lot of shit undeservingly that like, as time proved, like specifically like Census Fail, right? like really like fucking solid musicianship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. It's funny. I'm just curious uh, to you about, for both of you actually, if you do what I do, where I'll be like, yeah, I love this new band, the Front Bottoms, but they've been around for like 10 years, but you know, because I'm, oh, 30, yeah. I'm 35, so I don't keep up with music like I used to. Yeah, like this really good new band, the Menzingers, that I just heard of. They're doing I'm not even kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I did that for like 15 years. I had no idea. Here. Uh, Joyce Manor, all I, that I'm stuff. About it. I, I'm yeah, not- I'm always like, I think I, I learned about Lava Spew on their 10 year anniversary album. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's kind of like, like, I just, I hate to say it, I just discovered the Ergs from New Jersey. Same. About, about two or three years ago, I discovered the Ergs. And they're great. Like, they're amazing. I, and I, I literally discovered them like five months ago. Wow. And, and as soon as I heard them, I was like, yo, this band is like, you know, Descendants Reborn, but with like a different kind of New Jersey spin. And I said, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about them, but I got to get Mikey Erg to sing on Jersey Interchange. So, yeah, I was pretty surprised to see him either. He's like a legend in our, our world. He's great. I, lo- I love that guy. And those, those albums are so good. What, um, were there any bands that you all that you both saw like you know while going to shows or playing shows that are that became like that became the biggest thing ever like uh, even without outer scene like do you have any of those like fun 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 like, like especially like radio shows they always put a mishmash like, i remember i got to see like um how's it maroon five opened for brand new at a radio con- up, up in connecticut like stuff like that I mean, I'm sure you must, especially if you're in Jersey, I'm, I'm going to just guess if you throw a stone, you accidentally went to a My Chemical Romance show or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there were, there were a lot of those. A lot of, a lot of early My Chemical Romance shows. Speaking of Maroon 5, uh, when Midtown was on tour with Real Big Fish, Aaron had broken his arm, and they had this guy filling in for him on guitar named James Valentine. And then, like, cut a year and a half later, Maroon 5 was all over the radio and all over MTV, and we're like, oh, my God. That's James. That's so um, cool. Huh. You must have a billion of those stories, like when you look at TV or anything, of like, oh yeah, you still that guy, or we're still friends, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, it's strange. I remember, strange. I remember the show. You might have been there too, Heath. It was, I think, it was in Springfield. It was, I think, it was a Ricky show actually. The show that Newfound Glory kind of got put on last minute. And it was, okay. it was almost, it was, it was the first show they kind of played in Jersey where people just took notice and were like, oh, I get it. This band is going to go somewhere. And then within the next like six months, they were like, they signed a drive through. They were huge. And I think they actually took Weston's place on that show. The Weston's or Weston or someone else. And then Weston became uh, Beach Lang, the lead singer of West. Beach Lang, yeah. Beach Lang, yeah. They were, that fucking album was amazing. I saw them live. They really impressed me. Yeah, I interviewed uh, JP, the drummer, when that on that round. And it was like, and I and I didn't know that um, their singer was in Weston, and he like said that like my job was dropped. I was like, what? 
Yeah. Are you kidding me? Um, wow. Let me, um, wow, kind of towards the end, I'll start wrapping it up. Is there anything that we missed? Anything um, that, that, I, that we want to hit on before we start wrapping up? And if not, where, where can people like find you and all your projects online? Heath, you want to start off? Uh, so I have a, uh, I have kind of a side gig with my friend Dave from Austin. We've been doing uh, some acoustic cover songs online. Um, mostly stuff from the early 90s or late 90s, early 2000s uh, within this punk realm. Um, and uh, you can find that on Instagram at Heath and Dave Sing. Um, that's the only real music related thing that I'm doing outside of the Jersey Interchange with Christian. That's awesome. Yeah. And then Christian, the Jersey Interchange, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, Jersey Interchange. We have a we have a Facebook page. You can check us out, uh, which probably has yeah that has has the link to uh, where all the songs are. Uh, that's facebook.com backslash Jersey Interchange. Um, and uh, yeah, other than that, I have nothing else going on in my life. So like the rest of us, <laughs> uh, uh, guys, I can't, Christian and, and Heath, I can't thank you enough for your time. This has been like, um, it, it's such a thrill. I'm, I'm sure you know that experience too. It's just, uh, it's cool when that shit goes full circle, you know, like all those years, it's, it, it's been a ton of fun, a ton of fun. So I can't thank you enough. Yeah, and, thank um, you. If you Thanks, if, She's